Time for some overlooked stocks. For that, we go to Salt Lake, where our contributor George Tillis has found movers that you missed in today's session. George, good old Albertsons, eh? Yeah, <laughs> Albertsons, OJ. <laughs> Everyone thinks about Kroger, Walmart, but Albertsons is, uh, is actually done extremely well this last year. In fact, in the last couple of years, uh, for people who don't know it, it's actually more of a Western and regional uh, area based yes. grocer, but they generate about $66 billion in sales. And, and overall, it was about half the size of Kroger, but uh, the, the, the stock itself is up, like I said, about 62% over the last year, but it's basically, uh, food and drugs. I'm seeing 100 percent. You name it. Maybe year to date. Yeah. Stretch it back 52 weeks. You, this thing has doubled. Yeah, it's doubled. It's doubled over the last year. 62 percent uh, on a year to date basis. So let's just con uh, clarify that. But overall, uh, OJ, it's done extremely well. They did report earnings. They beat both on the EPS bottom line. They beat by about 19 cents, came in on an adjusted basis at its 64 cents. And top line sales are respectable. And that's the thing about the uh, grocery business is that sales are generally going to be in the low to sometimes in the mid single digit uh, uh, percent growth rates on a year over year basis. For Albertsons, they came in at 4.7% year over year, 16.5 billion for the quarter. And they did beat the estimates by over 600 million. Now, if you look at the numbers themselves as well from a same store sales standpoint, 1.5% year over year, that's not all that much to. What? To, uh, to scream at or one and a half percent. Why is this thing up to a hundred percent? Here's the thing: they were expected to be down about 1.9 percent, but digital sales. Oh. There's a couple of catalysts for the company. Digital sales growth was up five percent, but you actually look at over the last couple of years, compound going from basically nothing to where they're at. It's over 200 percent growth in digital sales. Not to mention, I think in this case, there's still opportunities for the name and the omni-channel areas of, uh, of retail. They haven't really penetrated that at all. And uh, overall, like I said, if you just compare them to Kroger, uh, valuation-wise, first off, they're, uh, they're trading at an enterprise to sales multiple, or enterprise to EBITDA multiple, about 200 bips lower than Kroger. But here's the kicker. If you look at the, uh, the net income for Albertsons, which is about uh, less than half of the sales volume than Kroger, it's actually generating about 65% of the amount of sales, I'm sorry, net income that Kroger is. So from a smaller footprint, this company is actually generating a higher net profit margin, mm. which okay. in this environment from a competitive landscape like Walmart or Target, especially when it comes down to groceries, which are, are razor thin margins, it's all about scalability and volume. So overall, I can see internally that this company is operationally very efficient despite the fact that its net margins are only about two percent and that's still higher than kroger which has more volume and more of a, a larger scalable footprint okay all right uh so george if we do get this uh, uh sales up right if albertson's top line starts to grow yeah. and then the bottom line's already making more per buck than some of its peers I guess that's the, the view here on the on the chart and why it's done so, so well. Yeah, so if you break it down and you just kind of look at the income statement and look at it on, on a, a couple of years comparison, and then you look at the balance sheet and the income statement metrics compared to Kroger, and that's the primary one that I, I used as our comparison here. One is 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 their 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 income from net cash from operations is up thirty two percent, and that's very very generous, especially in the grocery space. The adjusted EPS is up twenty two percent, 
And overall, if you look at the balance sheet, it's got about a $2.2 billion cash position. And compared to the market cap of $14 billion, you know, we're talking about 16% of the total float is cash. What does that tell us? It tells us overall that there's opportunistic uh, viability here for this company to one, pay either a special dividend, pay additional dividends, do things like share buybacks, make acquisitions. In other mm. words, the financial flexibility is robust. And I think that's really the compelling here and why this stock is really, seems to be outperforming its uh, respective larger peer Kroger. Uh, I think it's doing well from an operational standpoint, but I think overall it has more flexibility. And uh, omnichannel e-commerce is an area that the company still hasn't really generated a lot of penetration and I think that's another catalyst. Okay, analysts are stoked about this cutting edge retailer and its embrace of the digital future. What's the stock? It IPO'd last year, it's up 100%. I gotta have it, what is it? It's Albertsons. <laughs> Albertsons. <laughs> All right, okay. Grocery stores. If it works, it works. All right, George, uh, uh, next up, let's talk Peabody Energy as we're looking at uh, the Nat Gas story. Yeah. It's been a major uh, tailwind for this business, right? Yeah, yeah here's the thing. The Nat Gas uh, prices that we've seen over the last you know six months or so are pretty robust, but the real story behind this is, of course, not just seasonality or shortages. Uh, natural gas itself is more designed as a domestic fuel, even though we do have LNG exports, it's still relatively continental contained. in uh, of course, uh, the North American and South American region, it's hard to move the stuff overseas. Now, coal, on the other hand, is easy to move. You can barge the stuff, and there's a big catalyst that's been going on in coal, and that's China. China has basically sanctioned, replaced an embargo on Australian coal. I guess they're fighting over there between Australia and China. And what that has done is it's increased the demand for U.S. coal, and it's also increased the demand for major producers and miners like Peabody. Uh, overall, uh, the company has about 21 mines. Its, uh, its largest mine is in the Permian Basin, which is uh, outside of uh, Wyoming, in a very, uh, very remote area of the country. But uh, they produce thermal, metallurgical coal, but in particular, thermal coal right now is in huge demand for heating, but also for electricity production, which we know that there, there are selective brownouts going on in places like China. And there's even rumors that we'll have them here in the United States. I don't know if they'll come to fruition, but at the end of the day, coal is hot. And today's catalyst for the stock, it was up over 20% at one time, was not necessarily earnings, it was guidance. Now, the numbers breaking down compared to last year are phenomenal. They guided for Q3 top line sales at 680 million, Overall, compared to the estimates, which were 230 million, we're talking close to close to uh, three times that amount above the estimates. Not to mention last year's numbers in terms of sales for Q3 were only about 94 million. So you're you're, you're basically tracking more than six times last year's sales. Stock is up 700% year to date. And you also have some big uh, uh, big time investors. Elliott Management has over a 20% stake in the uh, the company, which. By the way, they actually uh, uh, sold some call options against their position close to a, a 10,000 contracts, and they took ownership of an additional uh, 1 million shares. Mm. So overall, as long as coal prices are higher, the trends are still higher, despite this ESG social trend that's going on for EV, there's a huge amount of demand for coal in China, and uh, the United States is a big export of the product. Okay. All right. Well said, George. That was a nice, clean 120-second explanation there. BTU, baby. Also, what a ticker. Uh, up 23% today and moving back towards the highs, approaching that recent uh, $19 high with some serious momentum. But a chart that on the last couple of years 
uh, goes back much higher than that, all the way up to 35 bucks. So uh, maybe an interesting range to think about because it looks yep. like it's ready to rip again. Uh, George, last one. Point. Mankind here. Uh, this is our uh, a biotech mover and down mover of the day. It is. Uh, we talked about a few couple of biotechs uh, as of late that have rebounded off of some FDA uh, disapproval news. That happened here today for mankind. It was down uh, close to 20 percent at one point in time where the FDA uh, demonstrated a, a halt. And there was a setback for a trial that has to do with an approval they were trying to get the company now for a hypertension drug. Uh, one of the things that we did find about mankind yeah, or I did find is that they already have a drug that's in distribution, which is for inhaled insulin. They have a partner in Sanofi in this regard. Uh, overall, the, the aspects of inhaled insulin really hasn't caught on. You think about diabetes, it's basically a very prolific disease. There's so many ways of regulating insulin. And inhaled version, again, it's a novel idea. Uh, mankind does have this uh, approved drug. They are generating around $75 million a year in revenue from it. But they needed more, and the, and the more uh, catalyst they needed was this hypertension drug uh, that is now halted by the FDA. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, when you look at mankind over the last five years, it's done nothing. The 52-week range is around 6 to 150 $6 to 150 Look at the five years. It's pretty much in that range. So there's a lot of volatility around the stock. There's been a lot of expectations and a lot of cash burn and equity issuances because despite the 75 million in sales they generated last year, they burned about 81 million in cash. So they're burning a lot of cash to get this new drug approved. There seems to be a halt, but the halt itself has to do with uh, a, a setback for the, for the third party company that's testing the drug. It doesn't huh. have to do with the drug manufacturing process that the company already has lined up if it does get FDA approved. So my point being is, is we've talked about a couple drugs that had some FDA setbacks a couple of them were temporary. We saw a rebound right away uh, after the uh, resumption of the FDA trial in, in a couple of cases for a couple of stocks, which I, we've talked about so many, I forget the names, OJ. But uh, keep that in, my, in mind here for mankind. Uh, if they do get the resumption of FDA testing because of that third-party testing facility problem, there might be another catalyst going forward. But uh, overall today, the news was down, the stock was down. All right. Uh, makes sense, George. Uh, pretty straightforward one there and pretty painful uh, uh, news here as we've gotten some pretty major rejections lately in the biotech space. Uh, a lot of them to the yeah. downside. Uh, Biogen, too, struggled today, but uh, a little bit different there in their partnership. we got to jump, George, nice on the Overlook stocks today. I like okay. it. Uh, three very different companies. And Albertsons, perhaps the most surprising, up 100% over the past year.